Hi there, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards with PureAndSimpleBible.com, and I'm very thankful to have you as a guest and a listener today. We're in the middle of a Bible study conversation with Brother Jimmy Cading from out in Oakdale, California, and Brother Jimmy is talking to us about the concept of rise up, O men of God. And we've talked about Adam in the Old Testament and how he failed to rise up and the challenges that we face to rise up and be the men we should be. Now, we left it off last week with a cliffhanger about boys with beards. And while that phrase may make me chuckle a little bit, it is a serious problem. So let's jump back into the conversation and learn what it takes to be a biblical man of God. Here we go. Uh, you contrast this biblical manhood with, I guess, what happens when we don't accept that responsibility, and, and you call it uh, something that it's, it's humorous, but it's also sad, and that is boys with beards. Would you tell us about boys with beards and maybe what we see in our culture versus what God's called us to be? Yeah, and I, I don't mean any disrespect by that phrase, but it's just it's just a way of kind of showing the fact that it's possible for someone to look at a to look like a man, but to act like a child. Uh, just because someone has gone through puberty doesn't uh, make him a man. Um, boys, uh, even though they may be older in years, they can be a boy if they shirk their responsibilities. And neglect their opportunities to truly make a difference. I'm talking about boys who may be married, but they stay up late playing video games while their wives fall asleep in bed. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or boys who binge watch Netflix while their kids put themselves to sleep. Yeah. Um, boys who are too busy with their own hobbies to pay attention to the widow down the street who needs some help. Or boys who who work hard for their toys and. Uh, uh, They don't really mind uh, buying expensive gadgets and so forth, but they really don't have purpose with their, for their lives. Don't really, Mm -hmm. um, they're not really being intentional with how they spend their time or their money. Um, Boys who may whine and complain about not being appreciated and, and not having their needs met. Uh, Boys who have to be handled with kid gloves because their egos are so fragile. There, there are, sadly, a lot of boys with beards, and that's not what God wants us to be. I'm not talking about that all men have to have a beard or all men, you know, the facial hair or whatever. But in reality, God is calling on all men to rise up to a greater purpose. Sure. Well, you know, I, I think something that's helpful and practical is not just calling out people for what they're doing wrong, but also offering encouragement for what they can do right. And I do like that about your uh, study, is that you're not only willing to call out the man-child, you know, the boy with beard, but you're also asking for them to consider ways to fulfill that God-given purpose. So I was hoping maybe you could take a few moments and offer some practical challenges for us okay. to grow as men. I'd, I'd love to hear them, and I know others would as well. Okay, sure. Uh, just a few suggestions, some uh, practical challenges. 
uh, just kind of give you some ideas. They're not uh, certainly limited to this, but just kind of explore the the possibilities that are out there for all of us. One would be, as a man, we, we should invite a godly man that we respect, a mature man, maybe in the faith that has been in the church for many years, uh, ask them to lunch. And uh, while you're eating lunch, don't just talk about sports and the weather and uh, shallow things, but ask him important things, maybe five questions about faith and family. Yeah. Um, another thing you could do is send a, an encouraging text to your ch- children. Um, if you have children or uh, tell them that you, you love them, uh, tell them you're praying for them, uh, even if they're adult children. Um, be vulnerable in that respect. Uh, mm-hmm. Say say you're sorry to someone specific and take responsibility for that, mm-hmm. what you've mm-hmm. done or, or maybe something you've neglected. Uh, find a widow or a single mom. Ask if they need help with any projects. Mow their yard or uh, do something that uh, may have been neglected that uh, maybe get some other younger men involved to mentor them in that project and help them see what a, an, a, a man is like, what an example should be. Mm-hmm. Write a note of forgiveness. Um, seek out a leader in your congregation and ask uh, what you can do to help serve. Take the initiative in that. Um, if you are a leader in the church, get a group of young men together and go over their spiritual goals map out some practical ways to help them reach those goals. Um, And then I'll just add this practical thing as it relates to your own marriage. Um, Pray, pray for your wife Mm -hmm. and pray, pray with your wife and let her know, let her hear that you're praying for her and see what happens. You know, something I'd like to do, Jimmy, is I'm going to take that list. I know you said these were suggested. They're, you know, certainly it's not everything, but man, a list like this is so good to just have. I'm going to try to remember to copy and paste this list in the show notes of this uh, podcast. So if somebody's listening to this and they don't see that, then please shoot me a text or a message and remind me to post that because I think it'd be good for some of our folks to to kind of see that list and maybe even copy it themselves and have it. Cause there's several in there that I know I could work on. I'm sure there's others who can do the same. Um, so thank you. And well, thank you. When you uh, talk about these, these things, you're talking about responsibility, but I, I like in your, your study notes, how you kind of break down what responsibility is and, and what we should be thinking about as being responsible as men uh, would you take a yeah. minute and talk about that responsibility? Sure. You know, the responsibilities of a man are are kind of broad. There, there's physical responsibilities. There's spiritual responsibilities. Uh, the physical responsibility, primarily in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, Paul tells Timothy, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So God has given man the responsibility to work and provide for his family. That's the physical. There's a lot of physical aspects to that. Uh, that is a spiritual duty as well. But then there, there are spiritual responsibilities directly given to the Father. In Ephesians 6 verse 4, 
um, where Paul says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So God doesn't give that responsibility to the church to, to raise your children. God doesn't give that responsibility to um, a preacher to teach your children or to a Sunday school teacher. He gave it to the father. And that demands of men to rise up, to be attentive, to be actively involved, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'd like to ask you a question that's um, not in the notes. I'm, we're, we're talking in kind of general terms. You know, the, a point that's going to be made coming up pretty soon is, is how ideally or generally speaking, a child's first perception of God is made by what they see in their father. Um, but before we get to that general point, I want to, I think almost as common as somebody having a good positive example uh, of a of, of, of father are those who don't. So my question would be, how can Christians who maybe didn't grow up with a good father figure, who are struggling to see or emulate what a good father is, because maybe they didn't have one, or um, maybe a, a, somebody is not living up presently, and they're, they need to turn their life around. Do you have any, any advice or practical tips for somebody who's maybe not had the best example of a dad and how they can kind of break that cycle for the next generation? Well, uh, a couple of things come to mind. First, um, God himself is our father. God is a father to the fatherless. And even if you didn't have a perfect example, or maybe you had a bad example of a father, you, you, you need to look beyond that earthly example and look to your heavenly example and see from the scriptures, the qualities and the characteristics of God. You see, God is a father who is loving. He provides for his children. He disciplines his children. He is fair. He is, he is um, just the perfect example in all aspects mm -hmm. of what a father should be. Mm -hmm. You know, my, I had a stepfather growing up, and he passed away when I was a teenager, and so I, I kind of went through those very impressionable years uh, without a father figure uh, directly in my family. So I made up my mind and I had to realize that I was not fatherless. I had a father in heaven who loved me. And I, uh, I, I know through the scriptures how much he loved me. And I tried to be like him. Mm -hmm. And I still try to be like him. But God has also given me the gift of the church. And in the church, I see many men who are those examples that have become father figures to me. Yeah. And I, uh, I actually uh, thrived on that, and I gravitated towards that. In fact, your father became a spiritual father to me. Doug Edwards is one of the greatest men I've known, and he has had a great impact on me uh, directly and indirectly, but just watching his his example and how he uh, raised his family. You know, when you guys lived in Indiana in uh, those four years of my high school year, uh, high school and college years, I was at your house a lot and I could see and I could, I, I witnessed that and 
And so I would encourage, if you don't have a perfect example or a perfect uh, situation, God has provided you one, and uh, just take advantage of it. Well, thank you. That uh, I know I'm, I put you on the spot with that question, but um, I think you've answered it beautifully. And I have, as you do, um, you've mentioned yourself, and uh, I have many friends in the church who they came from either blended or broken homes, and uh, yeah, they've got they've got to look at God and they've got to look at brethren. Um, who can provide that example? Maybe they didn't have. So, and I'll just encourage um, not just those who don't have a father figure to seek out someone, but if you are a, a, a brother in the church, a, a man who uh, has a great family, and you see somebody out there that doesn't, um, kind of adopt them in in a way and bring them under your wing and kind of encourage them and model that. Um, and and try to foster that relationship in others. Well, brother, let me uh, ask the question that's that's I have for you in the notes, and um, I think we can continue. I think we're going to keep talking about what we've just mentioned slightly. But uh, you you talk about how a child's first perceptions of God are often made by the father. Would you maybe? Uh, continue to explain that thought and then why it's valuable and necessary for men to rise up to that challenge? Sure. You know, when Paul says that we are to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that phrase suggests that fathers are to emulate God and to substitute God's ways for our own ways. When a father brings his children up in the training and admonition of the Lord, it's as if the Lord himself is raising our children. Right. And when a father loves and protects and provides for and leads his children, then he begins to instill in their minds an image of God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been said, beautifully said, a child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. Mm. There, there are exceptions to that, obviously, but that, that, that quote, I think, really embodies the, the idea that whenever we as fathers don't act like God, we don't talk to our children, we don't love them, we don't discipline them, we don't provide them the the. Uh, oversight and the authority that instill in them this sense of respect for authority, it's it's going to be hard for them to uh, uh, relate to God, to love Him and honor Him and respect Him the way they they should. Mm-hmm. But when a father does instill in the in their their children these godly qualities, it's uh, it's really a profound uh, head start as to uh, our relationship with our children is going to help them in their relationship with God. Now, un- unfortunately, sometimes men shift that responsibility. Uh, they allow the mother to take the entire load or leave it up to other men. Uh, and and we, t- we did talk about how other men can play and should play a role and a part. But, but listen, really, other people can't have a great, or they can have a great impact, but they they cannot fully uh, substitute for your leadership. 
no one is going to be as impactful as the father if it's in the ideal situation and that's uh if that's possible so the admonition is to be watchful to stand firm in the faith act like men and be strong so how many marriages have been destroyed and homes that have been devastated and even souls that have been damned not because of something a man did but because of something he did not do uh-huh and uh and the churches, just think of the churches that have drifted away over the years and the divine pattern that has been abandoned, not because of something a man said, but because of something a man failed to say. Right. When false doctrine comes in and people were too, uh, well, they were too shy or too timid to stand up or mm-hmm. to speak up at mm-hmm. that time. This is often the story behind the story. You know, sometimes we... We will see problems surface, and sometimes things will fall apart, and we'll ask, "Well, what what happened? How did it how did it come to this?" Whether it's in a church or whether it's in the family, and not every time, but far too often, when you don't see or what you don't see is that there's a long history of a man who just didn't rise up to yeah. be the husband and the father, the grandfather, or the leader that he needed to be at the time. He needed to be the most. Now you uh, you bring up the uh, example from the prophet Ezekiel and how you've got this list of oppressions, and among them is some of the very warnings that you're talking about right now. What's going on there? Yeah, that's right. In Ezekiel 22 verse 29, it's interesting where um, God listed the sins of the people of Judah that led them to their doom. And he said, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, the saddest things. You know, God was looking for a man, right? but he couldn't find one. And today God needs men. God needs you to be the man to stand in the gap because he's looking for a few good men to rise up. You know, it's, it's been said all that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's really the case. Well, if I'm let's say, you know, as as the host, I'm trying to represent everybody who's listening to this podcast. Uh for our listeners who are ladies, they may be thinking, well, I can just skip this episode because it's not about me, or they might be frustrated because the only part of this that really was about me was the part where I messed up, you know, back in Genesis <laughs> 2. Uh but you you kind of pivot here in your study to emphasize that the the woman as the helper whenever she was made uh, as the helpmeet for man is really worthy of consideration in how men are to rise up that they need women in order to do that so can you maybe help us understand the uh yeah. how women can view this admonition and and be a part of it well i hope to you know um god created the woman to be a help. And, you know, unfortunately, 
Eve was a hindrance, but it's more often true than not, behind every good man is a great woman. Mm -hmm. And when God created man, he announced it is not good for man that he should be alone. And so God created woman. He did so to make a helper suitable for him. That in no way should be considered demeaning to the woman. Right. In fact, it's really kind of the opposite. Um, it was the man who needed the help, and God is uh, the one who made a helper for the man, and it happened to be the woman. Uh, so men hear that, though, and they, they ignorantly turn it into something derogatory or, or condescending. Yeah, she's the helper. Go, go make him a sandwich, you know, kind of that, that kind of idea where she, she is his servant. But that's not what we're reading here. In, in fact, we need to be very careful when we look at that word helper. Have you ever thought of who else the Bible refers to as a helper? That's a good question. You know, there's, there's a couple of places here in the New Testament. In Hebrews 13, 6, the Hebrew writer says that the Lord is my helper, mm-hmm. I will not fear. Mm-hmm. And in John 14, 16, Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit as the helper. And he says that I will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So when the Bible says the woman was created as a helper, it uh, should not be viewed as the meaning to the woman. On the contrary, if anything, it should elevate her. It should show her, her importance and her worth. And again, we ought to remember it was the man who needed the help. Right. Right. In fact, you you go on to state that man was incomplete, and I like that. So it, it's it's a matter of helping complete what God had made. But you said uh, in your notes that God has made a completer, and not is it competitor? There was a uh, misspelling. Computer. Uh, computer. What it, yeah. Okay, not a completer, but a computer. <laughs> Yeah, a computer. So, that was just kind of a play on words. There. Well, you got uh, me on it. <laughs> that'll be clever. <laughs> Will you help me understand that then? Yeah. So, yeah, God made a completer, not a computer. So, um, you know, one is to be the head and the other is to be the helper. Uh, when you have two heads competing, uh, you end up with a two-headed monster, a two-headed body, a monstrous marriage, you might say. Right. Um Moses said, therefore shall a man leave father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh, one body of marriage, one vision, this, this idea of one flesh. When, when there are two visions in a marriage, there is uh, literally die vision, die meaning two visions, a double vision, and that's not what God wants. He doesn't want a division in our marriage. He doesn't want two visions. We're to mm-hmm. be one flesh. And uh, our, our, our ladies in the church are in a unique position to help, or a lady in a marriage is in a very unique position to help. Um, yeah, I, I, liked like how, I like how you break that down whenever you, again, you know, there's some very practical things you gave about how a man can be a man, but there's also some very practical ways that our sisters, specifically our wife and others who may be close to us, uh, they can help us rise up to meet the challenge that, that God has called for us to be men of God. What are these three ways that you talk about here uh, being 
ways that women can help? Well, there are there are three options or three possibilities, and and really one of them is the ideal. The other are really we should avoid. Um, the first option is for for women. If you, you sometimes you you try to help by indicting, indicting uh-huh. your your man. You you could you, and you, we all as men we know we we are weak and we are flawed, and you could point out. A lot of things where we're not getting the job done. <laughs> sure, uh, there's plenty of evidence against us. You know our flaws. You know our weaknesses. But Solomon advised against this kind of strategy uh, in Proverbs twenty-one nine. He says it's better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Yeah. So constant criticism it clips the wings of a man, and it it uh, drew. Uh, drills a hole in his leadership tank. It, it mm-hmm. kind of it deflates him. Right. Uh, so you could indict, but it's not going to give you the success you're searching for. Uh, another possibility is that you could instruct us. You could tell us not only uh, what we're doing wrong, but how to do it right. And, uh, and there are times when that's appropriate and that that's needed. But I'm pretty sure that your husband didn't marry you so you could be his mother. And I, I'm pretty sure he didn't marry uh, you for that reason. Um, you could instruct us, but that really doesn't help in every situation. The mm-hmm. real the real option that's uh, the, the best option is that you inspire. So don't indict. Don't uh, spend all of your time instructing, but focus on inspiring. And I would suggest that you go with this because uh, you inspire your uh, your man, your husband, uh, to create a culture of uh, encouragement. Uh, don't mm-hmm. uh, underestimate just how powerful your your words are. Your encouragement is to him. Uh, a woman is to a man. It's been said, a woman is to a man what wind is to a fire. She can fan it up. Or she can blow it out. Oh, I like that. And and with with your words, you can breathe life into your man's soul, confidence in his heart, and strength to his backbone. Mm-hmm. Now, so I'm I'm glad you clarified that. I I'd said here's another list of things to do, but uh, really the third one seems to be the one we should be aiming for. Um, can you uh, spend some time? telling me who Richard Wormbrand's wife is and how she uh, fits that mold, that third, you know, inspiring category, uh, how she kind of fits in there. Well, um, I, I came across this story from a book that was written called Tortured for Christ, written by Richard Wormbrand. Um, he was a preacher in Romania behind the Iron Curtain, uh, he was arrested in 1948. He was tortured for 14 years because he publicly said communism and Christianity were not compatible. So in his book, Tortured for Christ, he he wrote, and I quote, it was, uh, it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing so or doing this received a beating. 
But a number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted their terms. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. End quote. Now, I love one of his quotes in his book. He said, doing the work of God is dangerous. Not doing it is more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this, as we speak of this concept, this idea of rising up, O man of God, um, certainly the courage to speak up and to do what God wants. It's risky, but uh, we need to weigh the, uh, the alternatives. Now, uh, to, to get to his wife, uh, before Richard Wormbrand was arrested for his faith, the Communist Party was putting incredible pressures on religious leaders to endorse communism, with, which, of course, meant a rejection of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And there was this rally where one by one the religious leaders were standing up to give their endorsement of communism, knowing what would happen if they didn't. And it was almost Richard's turn to get up and to speak up. And his wife, Sabina, uh, is sitting next to him in the crowd. And she leaned over and she says to Richard, Richard, stand up and wash away the shame from the face of Christ. They are spitting in his face. Mm. And Richard said to her, if I do so, you will lose your husband. And she replied, I don't wish to have a coward as a husband. Wow. And in his book, he said, then I arose and spoke. Mm. Now, I love the quote that you put immediately following that. Uh, I think it's so encouraging for our sisters to hear this, that God is not asking for you to be weak so that your husband can be strong. Mm. Will you break that down for me? Yeah, in the case of this example of Richard and his wife, you know, this, you know, what she said to him may it may be shocking and it may even seem a little cold and uh inconsiderate, but it is actually the help that he needed. Right. And it took great strength for her to say and to have that attitude. Mm-hmm. God is not asking for women to be weak. Submission is one of the most difficult things to do. Yeah. You know, sometimes we, we use the word meek. You know, Jesus was meek. We are commanded to be meek. But meekness is not weakness. Right. What it, what it means is to be strong and our strength under control, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. under restraint, and we're in control of it. And so there is tremendous strength found in a submissive heart. And ironically, you must rise up in order to bow down and submit to God. So that takes, you know, symbolically or figuratively speaking, we've got to, we've got to have the, the spiritual fortitude, the courage to 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 submit and uh, unfortunately in the very first couple we don't see uh, two people bringing out the best in each other we don't see Eve being the helper Adam needed her to be she turned out to be a harmful hindrance 
Uh, we don't see Adam being the leader Eve needed him to be. She, he, turned, he turned out to be a passive partner. And when they sinned, both of them hid. Neither of them would take responsibility. But ultimately, God came looking. And when he came looking, he came looking for the man. He asked, where are you? And uh, I always found that interesting when God asks a question. It's not because yeah. he's ignorant, you know, <laughs> he, he, he knows everything. Yeah. It wasn't because God had, had lost Adam. In fact, it was because Adam had lost God. Mm-hmm. And, and God asked this question so that he was trying to get Adam to take responsibility, to step up take the opportunity to to fix the problem that he caused. And the challenge for all men is for us to have the courage to rise up, take responsibility, to make the changes that we need to make because one day we're going to answer before God. We're going to, God's going to come looking, he's going to come calling, so to speak. And uh, he's not going to be concerned about our knowledge about sports and our our uh, standing in fantasy football or our high score, some video game or our, mm-hmm. our even our resume. Um, he's going to be more concerned about what we've done as spiritual guides, spiritual shepherds in our home and the spiritual status of our hearts. I don't know. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm the right guy for the job. I don't want to bring this kind of stuff up because I don't feel like I've got it all figured out yet. But mm. it's necessary because uh, we, we constantly have to be reminded. I know you previously used an example of a, you know, a coal that gets taken out of the fire um, will kind of cool down a lot quicker than it does when it stays in the fire. I, I kind of see this study like not eating a meal. You know, you, you if you don't get the nourishment then your body's going to suffer for it. And so sometimes I don't feel like I'm the right guy to deliver this kind of stuff, but I I know I need to because if if we're not nourishing the body with this kind of information, then they're going to be missing out on a whole lot. So it's a call to action for me to kind of get well, myself motivated. I appreciate that, humi- that uh, humility, and um, and I certainly want to convey that I hope that what I say is taken in the spirit in which it's intended with love and humility. And I, I certainly am not perfect and want to continue to grow and learn, but I, I see this uh, as a problem. And like I said, even the best of men are men at best and you know, a problem that we all struggle with as men and to be passive. And the, this, this admonition, Paul says, rise up, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we sing, as we sing in the song, rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth wait, her strength unequal to her task, rise up and make her great. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's our charge. That's what we try to do. Even when we fail, we don't give up, but we keep stepping forward, rising up, doing better today trying to do better than we did yesterday. Well, brother, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, for for 
talking with me about this. I think it's going to be a very healthy conversation for others to get to listen to, and I hope they appreciate it as much as I have. Thank you, brother. It's been a joy to be with you. God bless you. Thank you for uh, all you do and uh, for this opportunity to share this uh, message with uh, your audience. And I, I pray and I hope that it's been helpful in some way. To God be the glory and, and great things he has done. Amen. Amen. What a great conversation. I felt so motivated by re-listening to it, and I hope that you feel good too. You know, when you see the title, Rise Up, O Men of God, I mentioned it in the discussion with Jimmy, but sisters, if you see that title and you think, wow, this isn't for me, I'll just wait for the next one. I hope, hope you didn't do that. Obviously, if you did, you wouldn't be listening to this right now. But I hope you felt encouraged too. Because in God's great plan for the family, it takes a man, it takes a woman, and them working together is the greatest team that God has created. So I'm thankful for Jimmy for the time we got to spend together. There's so much in there for me to review and to think about. Uh, Like I said in my intro, man, I got my toes stepped on just thinking about what I need to do as a husband, father, to be a man of faith at home, but also in my community as well. And uh, I hope that those of you who are listening, that if your toes were stepped on, that you won't just gingerly walk for the next day or two, but rather you'll use it to improve and empower your walk with Christ. So thank you, Jimmy, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next week, you can go to the website and find a lot of great resources that are there for you to use and download absolutely free. And always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.